I don't know if you remember this or not. It was just seven short nights ago. And uh, we were discussing a case out of Orlando, Florida, Winter Park to be specific, of a woman who played a deadly game of hide and seek by leaving her uh, fiance in, in a suitcase. So uh, we're going to delve very deep. And that's why we call this unpacking the suitcase case. Sarah Boone is carrying around a lot of extra baggage. Look, don't kill the messenger bag, but this is a morbid journey. So whether you interpret my musings as a bit on the hard side, or maybe you're just soft-sided, I'm just a good old American tourister. Pack a weekend bag and join us on this journey. Make sure that your resolve is Samsonite strong for this one. Hang around like your favorite garment bag and hear the tale of Sarah, who's in jail, who is right now in jail for the junk in her steamer trunk. I think you're all great. I love you and you mean the world to me. All that and what it means for your weekend tonight on the Comp Center. The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. policing as we know it. Shootings in New York City have more than doubled this year. Guns up and giddy up, Wolfpack, to everyone else. Welcome to Failure to Stop. This is the number one podcast and platform where we entertain and inform first responders tonight. It's the Comm Center with Drew Breezy with veteran detective Andrew Baxter. He's in charge of the Comm Center. I'm John. I'm an active 911 dispatcher in the field. Tonight we're going to break down this suitcase murder. Uh, Drew, uh, those puns were all terrible. And uh, when it's time to cut down on some overhead around here, I think we know where we're going to go to first, but it's been a fun week, kind of. I mean, except that I missed you. So how have you been? Oh, I've been great. If you got to trim the fat, please, uh, by all means, trim the fat off of me. I'm, I'm There's no time for small talk, Drew. We have to get into the case or are the people <laughs> going to be upset. We have over three hours of material to present here tonight. So I'm going to do the ad reads first. If you guys want to know how we're doing, you can reach out to us on social media. You can reach uh, Drew Breezy, Breezy at Drew underscore Breezy, or at his new Instagram account, which is what's at what's new Drew. No, uh, what's say like, Drew? It's what's at say, say Drew. Drew. One word. What's new Drew is what say Drew. Sorry, I I did not follow you on Instagram. There's just you have too many accounts. Uh, you can follow me on Difficult to Look at Pictures. Which why would you do that? I'm not sure. Otherwise, you could follow us at Failure to Stop. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, go ahead and leave a five star rating and review. It's been a while since we got a review. Leave a, leave us a bang a review. We're gonna we're gonna play it right here on the show we'll read it out loud we'll make you a star for a minute uh otherwise uh our sponsors are ghost bed if you uh, are a big fan of failure to spot then failure to stop then support ghost bed go to both ghostbed.com forward slash wolfpack you can use that uh offer code wolfpack you could save up to 40 percent if you go to the website and you see a spookier deal go ahead and use whatever they got there but in the comments make sure you mention wolfpack so i know tansy and the gang sent you we love them for their uh cooling technology their adjustable mattresses frames uh they support veterans and first responders like cops firefighters dispatchers and all the rest so the only mattress in the entire world that is made right here in the united states of america and that's why we love them you can get uh, easy financing zero percent down zero percent financing even if you have what's new true credit <laughs> and uh 
just don't forget, uh, you know, you could use them for 101 nights. And if you don't like it, you could send it back. We could say that because, you know, it's not going to happen. Are you a police officer that's kind of an idiot and just misspells your name on Facebook or spells it backwards? And you think that's going to protect your family from an onslaught of a shit storm for when you, <laughs> when you are justified in shooting someone in the back? It's not going to happen. CNN is going to ruin your life. You're going to have protesters all outside your house. Everything's going to going to shit the bed. So you need to protect yourself. Go to officerprivacy.com forward slash Wolfpack. They're going to give you a whole toolkit of things that you need to use to protect yourself, your identity, your location, your other vital statistics, uh, where you go to church, where you hang out, uh, names of your friends and family members. Protect them now. Remember, you're only eight or 12 hours away from doing the most awesome thing in your career, which will bring this country to its knees. You'll be all over CNN. So don't be a chump. Don't hang yourself out to dry like your own admin will. Protect yourself. Go to officerprivacy.com forward slash Wolfpack. Protect yourself today. And lastly, I, we know that your job is spooky and dangerous. We know you sleep at night. Last step is that you also eat. Make sure that you're delivering food to yourself in the future by going to factor75.com and using the offer code Wolfpack50. You can get 50% off there. You can have over 300 meal options if you want to go heavy on uh, protein. You want to go heavy on fat if you're doing the keto diet. If you just want to try a little bit of every, everything, these is delicious foods prepared and sent to you fresh. It's not frozen. We're not hawking a hungry man dinners here. They're going to fill you up with grease and cholesterol, and you're not going to just show up at a scene and be all sweaty and angry because despite your excellent night spent on a ghost bed, you now feel like shit because you're eating terrible uh, fast food. Please go to Factor Meals and try out a delicious meal. You deserve it. Get yourself a chicken breast. Get yourself a broccoli. Feed yourself, treat yourself right, right? And remember, Failure to Stop It's your favorite podcast, and that's how you support us. Drew, we don't have any more time for this. We've already wasted about yeah. six minutes. We have to get back to the suitcase case. Kick <laughs> us off. Tell us what to do. Uh, you're in command here now, Lieutenant. Okay, let me tell you, first of all, there's there's a lot of stuff going on in the chat. So I feel sorry for you if you're listening uh, as a uh, podcast. Uh, listening to this as a podcast. I'm very happy and proud that you're doing so. Hopefully you've left this rating and review uh, in exchange. But if not, uh, the chats are on fire tonight. We've got uh, someone called Underpaid Producer in here. His name is Elijah, and uh, he's a very good friend of the show. He also has a uh, show on this uh, on C- Media that we call what, – what do we call that show, John? Getting a what? grip on things. Getting a grip and, on things, yeah. Right. Yes, so, a big show coming up. <laughs> that, was a, that was a test for you. So Getting a Grip on Things uh, is a, a great podcast. You should probably go listen to that. We got Michael Hendricks here, Detslav, uh, which is Vols Dead backwards. Uh, we have Tactical here. James Russell is here. Somebody Eric Pansy is here. Yeah, if he Dead says like, if we don't read his chats think, that, we're, that he hates us. So hello, Eric. It's good to talk to you again. Ben Allen is from Maine, and he tells us every time, and I want to know what the temperature is and if the leaves are changing at this moment. Uh, Abby Ellsworth from On Being a Police Officer is here. Carly and Beignet are here. We don't know who's doing the typing as usual. Felony Melanie, how about it? And uh, everybody else that's here, thank you. Casey Anthony's defense team, we don't do a show without her, to be honest. Um, and that's David, I, yes. I, yeah, I think so. Oh, him, I'm sorry. Uh, I was thinking of the last known president, who I don't see. That, that's but... Brittany. She's here. Yes, Falk I know. Faulkner. Uh, she's always here. She's the she's always here in the, state of the Wolfpack. Yeah. Uh, so I, I told you, I, I scolded John over text as I've as I because I between you and me, uh, America, 
I ha- I treat him like a dog. And I, I told him, look, we don't have time for this silly banter stuff. We we have deduced, John and I have deduced that next week's episode is going to be such, uh, so full of inside jokes that we're literally just going to do it over Zoom. It's just going to be me and him. Uh, but at any rate, I told him, let's cut the banter. Let's get right to the story because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put on my um, uh, my interviews and interrogations hat. So some of you don't know or you may know from the last week's show, for about 10 years of my career, uh, for the probably the last 10 years of my career, I taught interviews and interrogations to young budding detectives, officers who have been out in the street for a while, young supervisors. I, I taught a week-long course of interviews and interrogations. It covered case law. It covered um, de- de- deception detection deception detection techniques. Uh, I, I taught you how to get in front of people and uh, build a rapport. I, I did my best to get everyone to get in the frame of mind of treating people with some dignity and respect, and you'll probably get more information out of them. Uh, and then I gave them a test at the end of the week, and they always passed except for one guy. In, a, in English was his second language, so he kind of doesn't count uh, for, for my failing test purposes. Uh, so here's the deal. We're going to um, we're gonna delve deep into interviews and interrogations by first covering the 911 call of the suitcase case that I you know brought up in the beginning and that we talked about last week. We're gonna talk John and I, you know that's John's area of expertise. Then we're going to talk mutually about um, uh, the body cam because that all has has relevance to the interrogation because she says things in the body cam which are beneficial for the interviewers and the interrogators. And I want to give you a couple tips, give you a couple ideas of what what the interrogators are looking for. I know that's not necessarily communication center-based or dispatcher-based, but you know what? Sometimes the dispatchers are interested and curious in stuff like this, and I want to give them the inside and the inclusion of the whole deal. So that's what we're going to do tonight, John, and that's why I was trying to minimize the banter, and I'm going against everything that I wanted to do. So let's get right into this. What do you say? I, uh, I, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm ready for that, and I just wanted to say that all areas are areas of my expertise. I have complete world knowledge. And for those of you who don't know, for about 11 years, I taught a, inter- a course on an interview and interrogation that lasted six days. That's so, one more year than me and one more day. One more day. Me. So, I mean, who's really the expert? I mean, I guess yeah, he's, it's me. He's a lot better. He's one better, usually, on, on everything. I, I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Let's do it, Drew. All right. Um, so, do you want play to control the, your 911 yes, call? Yes, I'll play or? the call. Let's do it. And then it's up to me. 911, what is the location of your emergency? 4748 France Court, apartment 3. 4748, what's the street name? France, F-R-A-N-T-D. And the apartment number? 3. Is this a police or medical? My boyfriend is dead. Okay, send the line for the fire department. Do not hang up. Very to the point. Fire rescue to location, Mercy. Desk 32. No, please don't leave. 4748 France Lane, apartment 3. France Court. France Court. Yes. Okay, it's just near.
just a quick observation, John. Um, doesn't she seem to be a little bit with it to have just trying tried to after just trying to revive a dead person? Well, do we want to use a little retrospect? Sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna view this through retrospect, and I could do that only because we covered this last week. Uh, she is like this all the time. This is default her. This isn't actually her what she sounds like when she's just discovered a dead person. You're going to find when Patrol gets there and interviews her uh, multiple times and detectives get there when she's finally um, in the interrogation room that she is, she's always kind of high strung like this. But uh, you, from the way that she sounds, she sounds like, you know, she possibly just found a body, but as we're about to find out, uh, that is not the position that we're in at all. And uh, we're going to, we covered this last week, so I don't mind saying we're going to go through some about of meaningless CPR here, Drew. Yeah, yeah, we'll probably speed through that. So, and and don't be alarmed when she yells, "Don't go anywhere." She's not speaking to the corpse. Yeah, I think she's talking to her. I don't she know is. where that is. Are we, are we yeah, she is. It's Tealwood Park Apartments. Okay, four seven four eight friends, correct? Correct. All right, correct. Now tell me exactly what happened there. Uh, my boyfriend and I were playing last night, and. Mm-hmm. I put him in his case and we were playing and okay. like kind of hide and seek kind of thing. So I fell asleep and I woke up and he was dead in the suitcase. So I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. Right. Okay. What's the apartment number? Three. Um, apartment three? Yes. Like he has like blood coming out of his mouth and I don't know if like he had like an aneurysm or what nothing. Right. Okay. All right. Okay. Listen, we're getting help out there too. All right, okay. Okay, I, I, now? okay four, yeah, man, listen, we're on our way out there. You're, you're at 407-716-8684. Okay, is he hanging from somewhere or what, ma'am? No. We have to drop that joke you said again last week. Could be in a garment bag. That's why he's hanging up. Drew, Very I didn't possibly. even get that last week until I was editing later. Uh, they're confirming the address. Uh, maybe you, we mentioned it last week. There was a handoff between the initial call taker and now the fire dispatcher. The uh, dispatcher for the police department is still on the line. She's still listening. You'll hear her in a second where the fire department dispatcher wants to make sure she's still there because all of the details that she's giving to fire, the police are going to want to know, too, about uh, his condition inside the suitcase. This dispatcher is handling already the weirdest call of his life. It's weirder than the F-35 thing. My my boyfriend and I were playing hide-and-go-seek, and of all places, he hid inside his suitcase, and I, I went to bed and left him in there. Uh, so, but he had an aneurysm that killed him. It was definitely some kind of medical condition. You know, it wasn't just asphyxia or you know being crushed inside a suitcase. Drew, Abby has a great question. Uh, so, why was he? Tra- uh, why was she transferred to fire so quickly? Or why was she transferred to fire? Uh, this happens quite often. This happened in the center that I worked in. You, you have as a dispatch. This is why I thought it was so important that we talked about the CL program with the dual dispatch and all that. Um, you have about five or 10 seconds to determine if they need, if you need to get medical rolling and not, and there's, there is a teeter totter. There's a, there's like a fulcrum where you, you have to decide, look, do I just stay on the line with this person and, and get them to talk as much as possible uh, about the criminal side of this? Or do I, uh, at what point do I just, you know, there's no app that goes off that tells you, Hey, you better get fire rolling that way anyway. So, once you hand it off to fire, they're going to take over because they're going to start doing all their medical protocols and all that other stuff. 
she opted to do it pretty quickly. It sounded it sounded like a weird call that maybe, you know, they could save a life. So she handed it off to fire pretty quickly. And she's still gathering information. She didn't hang up, which is a, a good thing. Sometimes uh, in that handoff, the dispatchers hang up. Okay, go ahead, John. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that the life-saving efforts are going to be number one. You're trying to prevent a murder. If you can save the guy's life, then then the, what's happening here isn't a murder. I pulled him out of the suitcase. I tried giving the, him CPR. Out of the, okay. So he's, uh, he was in a suitcase? Yes, and I fell asleep. Okay, how old is the, how old is the boyfriend, ma'am? 42-year-old man. All right. Okay, where where are sending where's sending help out there? Sheriff's officer still out there? Yes, I'm sorry. See, he just said sheriff's officer is still on the line because he knows this is going to most likely turn into a criminal case. But he says like he kind of says, "All right, he's pulling up uh, information he needs, uh, guidelines to help give these CPR directions. He's going to do the best he can to get her to cooperate." CPR is a difficult procedure, even if you're a, a trained rescuer. Telling someone how to do it over the phone is difficult. And it, all too many times in a dispatcher's experience, you're going to be giving CPR advice to someone who is clearly faking it because you can, you know what it sounds like when someone's actually trying or they're completely unwilling to do it. But I'll go on, Drew. Yeah, okay. All right, listen to me. Okay, that, um, I just, I just need to confirm this. One. No, I, I, I just need to confirm this. Is he, is he awake at all? Is he conscious at all? No, he's purple. Is he, right, is he breathing? No. All right. I need you to get. I need you to get him on the floor, flat on his back for I me. Did. Okay. I did. I did. I tried giving him CPR. All right. I tried giving him CPR. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, we're, nothing happened. He's purple. Okay. Listen to me. There's a defibrillator, but I need you to get it for me. Okay. What is it? You have an AED. You have an AED available? No. All right. Do you write by him now? I'm sorry. You are you right by him now? Yes. Okay. Okay. Lay him flat on his. Okay, ma'am. Ma'am, listen. Uh, so, listen. Is he cold and stiff? Yes. Okay. Well, he's okay. not necessarily cold, but he's stiff. He's room temperature, and we also discussed this last week. He's kind of going to checklist mode. He wants to protect himself and his agency from any kind of uh, individual liability or vicarious liability to, by not providing this life-saving uh, instructions. He has a duty to care. Uh, of course, we all know those of us in the field anyway know the signs of death. He's apneic, he's not breathing, he's cyanotic, he's got blood coming out of uh, various holes in his head. Usually when people die, blood just sort of starts coming out. Uh, being in a suitcase 12 hours, the, you, you could usually, like, there's guidelines for when you could say that a call is uh, somebody's already dead, like uh, a paramedic or an EMT or a doctor will say that, you know, when, when death is a predictable outcome or there's, there's, these no, there's absolutely no signs of life. Like I said, there's no breathing, there's cyanosis or whatever. He's checking all of these boxes, but uh, the dispatcher, for want of anything else to say, Drew, do you think you should switch over to investigative mode and say, now, now, you, now, let me get this straight. You guys were playing hide and seek, and you zipped <laughs> him up in the suitcase. Should he no, switch um, to investigative mode? No, because uh, people, like we've discussed in the past, people tend to exaggerate too. So if she's, I mean, she's she's describing grimace from the McDonald's, the McDonald's character grimace. He might just have a little blue tinge to him like uh you know what i mean like she doesn't know might just nobody, be blue, knows, yeah. nobody knows at what's right what the, she might be colorblind for god's sake but nobody knows at what stage she pulled this guy out of the suitcase he might have been in there for 30 seconds so he's just going to go through everything he needs to go through i mean i, I think it's pretty obvious but I, I think this is a damned if you do and damned if you don't 
Um, but yeah, let's just uh, keep it moving here. What one last thing, Drew, if I may. This is something I thought of uh, because you know how it is. Uh, you do a show and then you think about it at three in the morning and you're like, yeah. I wish I had done that better. If this guy's been in a suitcase for 12 hours and let's place his time of death, uh, you know, at 12 hours um, and he's uh, folded up, his body is folded up inside his suitcase. I don't know if it's just because I'm six and a half feet tall, but I can't even imagine this, like how that would work. But uh, I imagine his knees are probably curled up in front of his chest. If he's in full rigor, how the hell are you even doing chest compressions if he's stiff? And his knees are up like this. Like you have to crack him in half in order to do the compressions, right? Yeah, I, I would think way off? He, would be, he, he would be like a frog at this point. Yeah. Okay. That, that would be my guess. I mean, uh, I don't think it'd be full rigor, but I mean, like it would definitely have set in. There'd be lividity on like the front of his shins and depending on which side. Yeah, we don't know the orientation. I thought the suitcase yeah, the was laying on the side. Yeah. So yeah, the, the blood would be all pulled on one side of his body, which would be something yeah. you again, if you're pulling him out to do CPR, you're gonna see you're gonna see that that lividity. So but yep. I don't know if she would recognize that or not. But the dispatcher, of course, has to keep going. So go on, Drew. Uh okay, go. No, oh, sorry. I, I'm no, playing I it. Yeah. Okay. Right. We're both doing it. All right, listen to me. I, listen, listen to me. I want you to lay him flat on his back for me on I the did. floor. I did. Removing the pillows. Okay. Yes, I did. All right, okay. With stiff and purple. Right, okay, listen, okay, man, that's fine. We're, we're still going to do compressions on him, okay? All right? Place the heel of your hand on his breastbone, right in the center of the chest, right between the nipples. Yes. Put your other hand on top of that hand. Baby, I'm telling you. Just by okay. looking at him, you can tell. Okay. And? Ah! Please! Okay, he just gurgled. Okay, okay, L listen to me. All right, I want to play. I want you to place the heel of your hand. Okay, right between, the, right between his chest, right between his breastbones. Yes. Put, your other, put your other hand on top of that hand. Yes, we, want, we want to pump his chest to me hard and fast. I'm going to move that a little forward. Yep, let's go a little bit. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. I, I pointed out, I think last week or recently, that you're supposed to do it to the tune of staying alive because that's the tempo. And someone corrected me and said that. Yeah. It's also the tempo for another one bites the dust. So uh, hopefully your patient's not listening. And 14, crazy in love by 15, Beyonce. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. She's walking around. She's not doing shit. 27, people. 28, She's 29. Yeah, we're going. That's not what CPR sounds like. Just keep it going, Drew. It's just counting. Keep on pumping for me, ma'am. I'm not doing it. I'm doing it. Believe me, I'm doing it, okay? We are playing. All right, I understand. All right, just keep on pumping for me, okay? Okay. Please hurry. This right, okay. Horrible. This is horrific. <laughs> what happened? You locked him in a suitcase. Like, what happened? <laughs> okay, man, just keep on pumping his chest for me, okay? They're they're in they're they're in the parking lot. They should be up there shortly, okay? I'm still doing it, okay? Alright, okay, good. Fucking liar. You're not doing so you found him in a suitcase, you said? Yes. We were playing hide and seek last night. I fell asleep. I think they're here. Right, just keep on pumping his chest until they take over, okay? I am, I am. Okay. I am. 
and she said she had done it before she called too, which is also quite the truth. Right? Let, let them take over for you, okay? Here's the cool part. They stay on the phone. They don't hang up. Hello, ma'am. And so we're there, obviously. Uh, right. Call should be over. Still going. Just because they want to know what the fuck is going Hello? on there. Hey, ma'am. The, the fire department's going to take care of you now, okay? Yeah, so we'll see you there. Alrighty. Oh, ma'am, is still there? Hello. All right. So, the, yeah, they they were listening there just because they wanted to know what was going on. All right. I'm going to pause so, it because I got the I, I included the uh, I, okay. I, I edited down. the. If you the, have uh, yours, I'll just take mine off the screen. Drew. Yeah, go for it. Um, okay. So John brings a good point. Like a lot of times um, the um, dispatchers will hang up and we won't get free a free shot at what's going on in there. So sometimes dispatchers will leave the phone open and, you know, because people just drop the phone and they'll pick up critical evidence all the time on these 911 calls. This is a great point. Like it's not necessarily that they're trying to rush off the phone. It's not necessarily cheating because if there's nothing nefarious going on, there's nothing to worry about. But when people drop the phone, they're just going to leave it running and i'll tell you <laughs> one time i was working a, a wiretap investigation uh and um the guy thought that he had hung his phone up we were already listening it didn't matter he did some uh he, he was talking to his girlfriend for a little bit then he did some dirty work like some drug business on the other line then he gets then he calls this other uh girl and long story short he left the phone <laughs> off the uh on and his girlfriend could hear his conversation that we were hearing and he was talking about the other girl and so oh. we had to prevent uh a shooting we had to it almost compromised the investigation because we had to kind of intervene to almost to protect that guy uh so anyway uh people often leave that phone on the uh, on the ground and and you can listen it's fair game it's going to become evidence it's it's not like there's an expectation of privacy because you called 911 uh, and if there is, a, a defense attorney is going to argue it. It's not going to be, you know, anything. That's what, yeah, but what, a, what about a no Drew, uh, What about a clear statement uh, against interest? You know, set on a on a recorded nine one one line. They don't. I mean, they, would they uh, be able to make a good case for throwing that out? Well, did they call nine one one? Yeah, they did. In this case, she did. Yeah, that that's my point. Like she called nine one one. She initiated the conversation. Even if she called nine one one and hung up. And they called back. They had a reason to call back. It's not like they randomly called her. And if she leaves the phone off the hook, she leaves the phone off the hook. It's just a free shot. There's no, there's nothing um, like there's no violation of a, a statute or there's nothing constitutionally. There's no constitutional violation in listening to what the normal ear can hear if you were standing there, right? So, exactly. So if you were just standing outside the door and you overheard it, it, it would be the same thing. 
I just think it's uh, super important to maybe approach the rest of this case with that in mind, that the things that you hear and the things you get told, you know, talking about admissibility, that's a, a huge part of interviews and interrogations. And there's it's always a legal uh, minefield whenever you do that. And I'm sure Drew's going to mention that stuff, but uh, that's how it works for 9-1. You are putting a puzzle together? Yes, we have a puzzle that we started in there. Okay. We've been doing art, trying to take stuff off the wall to, to make new art put up there, like having a good time with one another. But we're drinking, we had a bottle of wine last night. Okay. Fine. So then it's like, we decided to play hide and seek, right? Okay. So he gets in the suitcase, okay? Who is this guy? That's my ex-husband, my former husband. How did he, he live here with you guys? No. I called him over here. Okay, okay. I didn't know what to do. Okay. I didn't know what to do. Okay. So then he came over here. Here, let's talk in private, okay? I called you guys. Mm-hmm. I tried giving you CPR. I, I, the problem is, is yeah. I fell asleep. I fell asleep. When did you do CPR? This morning. When I found it. Before you called? Yes! One o'clock right now. I tried. I was awake, but I actually got out of the bed at like. All right, so right off the bat, like I, what I'm looking at, and I don't know if the detectives did this before they sat her down, but I, I'm looking at the fact that her hand gestures don't necessarily match her uh, her responses. Um, and it's, you know, it's nuanced. Like, that that doesn't necessarily mean she's lying. It just means she's in distress and for some reason. But when you take it in totality of what she's saying, um, it may be an indicator that she's not being totally forthcoming. Uh, but, she, you know, just her her reactions like yes yes like uh her body is going crazy right now on the inside her brain it's it's freaking out it's not only freaking out from finding the dead body it's freaking out from trying to figure out how she's going to get out of this shit 12 30 ish whatever so i came downstairs and i was like oh he's in the suitcase still I just wanted to show that I edited this body cam. It's not, I don't want anyone to think that this is in sequence. So you were playing and who dipped him up in? I did, but then I fell asleep. Okay, okay, you're okay. I don't, I wasn't here. I'm just trying to figure out what happened. This is an important question, and it's an even more important answer, and I'll tell you why. None that I know of. Nothing that you know of. None that I know of. No. No. She she does this constantly. You'll see in the interrogation she does this also. She, she just, she brings up a point, and then when you hit her with, okay, well, the, now we're getting somewhere because you might have an explanation here, she she knocks down your explanation totally because she says, I don't know if he suffocated, if he had an aneurysm, if he had a heart attack. And she goes, well, does he have any medical conditions? Because the normal person would probably say, well, yes, he has a bad heart. Or, you know what I mean? Like, you, yeah. you, might, you might try to cover yourself that way or whatever. And she's like, no, no. Does he take any medications? No, not that I know of. Like, the so why that- bring that up? Why, why even bring up the suffocation, the yeah. the aneurysm, the, uh, well, the suffocation is obvious, but why bring up the heart attack? Why bring up the, the aneurysm? He's a young man. He's, you know, in his forties and, and whatever, John. The other thing that bugs me is that she keeps reacting as though she just found him. She keeps gasping and keeps reacting all anew. She's, it's like, she's, she's not sure what to do in this situation. So she thinks she has to be in a state of constant 
you know, being struck by this, like a normal person has, they have their initial reaction and then they have kind of a recoil phase, you know, where they, where they, you know, it's not that they can't get upset again, but it's like every time someone interacts with her, you know, look at her face right now on the screen. And if you're just listening, you're missing it. The chats are, are loving it. Yeah, she's, she's, she's doing she, it. And she's doing an O face of screaming, you know, because she's just now considered the whole thing all over again. Yeah, we, this she she resembles the blow up doll from Tansy's old studio. All we had was a bottle of wine, literally just a bottle of wine. Okay. Doing puzzle artwork. Then we decided to play hide and seek. All right. See, that's something I didn't pick up before, um, and now I'm picking up now. Uh, she, she's like, all we did was we we did some puzzles, we painted, we had a bottle of wine, and then nothing happened. Or, or you know, she played. We played hide and seek, and nothing happened. So that's an innocuous statement to the officer that's standing there interviewing her. It comes into play later in the interrogation. It just hit me like a ton of bricks right now. Saying nothing happened is just such an obvious like, uh, and I'm skipping something. I'm skipping something, and then this happened. (laughs) Nothing happened, which means something happened. Like I don't know what happened. So how long were you doing CPR? I mean, I know that I was in bed probably by like what twelve thirty. Okay. Well, I went upstairs at least, and I fell asleep. Forgetting that he was so in you the suitcase. Were playing the hide and go Yes. And at some point you put him in the suitcase? No, he got in the suitcase. So okay. he thought it'd be funny to be put in the suitcase. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to joke with you and I'll zip you up and make him, you know, squirm a little bit, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But then I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. I fell asleep. Where was the suitcase? No, yeah. it was the afternoon. It was afternoon. Is it hide and seek or hide and go seek? Or go hide and seek? I always said, well, when I was a kid, I said hide and go seek, and now I say now obviously as an adult, whenever I play, it's hide and seek. It's the contracted version. Yeah, I don't have time. Yes, I was awake, but then I finally decided to come downstairs at like twelve thirty-ish, whatever it is, and I was like, oh, I forgot he was in the suitcase and he wasn't moving. Nothing was happening, so I unzipped him, unzipped him, unzipped him, took him out, and started doing CPR on him. Mm-hmm. I don't like this was totally like not intentional, like. Okay, this is our first conversation with the two detectives. That's what I'm scared about too. Like, yeah. we'll we'll have all the answers. We'll, we'll have a lot more answers tomorrow after medicine. After medicine, we're going to look at them. Like you said, what you're seeing here is common. This is us coming out. Protocol. Yeah, we. They're just explaining to her, like, because she's she's already getting alarmed at the amount of officers present and the detectives walking in and out. And, like, you know, if you find your fiancé in a suitcase the following morning after a vicious game of hide-and-seek or hide-and-go-seek, what are you worried about? Like, who, what do you care if there's a thousand stretchers and two ambulances and a fire truck and, you know, whatever, Chief Keefe on the scene? Like, who cares? Uh, she cares because she doesn't she she's nervous about what's going on. So she's even saying, I'm scared. I'm scared. I don't know what to do. Um, we'll give them their number. They can contact them and get it from them. But yeah, they're gonna they're gonna know what we're here, what She's very concerned about what his parents are gonna know and what they're gonna think. Yeah, well of course they're gonna find out their son died in a suitcase. Uh, get, Drew, you've done you've done death notifications, right? They're not easy. You're just like, I'm sorry, your son was in a car accident. And he didn't make it. 
Or your son was uh, was in a machete fight and he didn't make it. Can you imagine? Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, your son didn't make it. You're like, my God, what happened? Was there was there a fire? And you're like, no, I got zipped in a suitcase during a hide and seek game, man. Anyway, I'm gonna blast off out of here. Like, you know, how the hell yeah. do you handle that? We'll we'll call you after the medical examiner. And uh, and and also like, I, I can't even say. Look, I, you know, I'd like to just tell you that they were trying to make him a stowaway and they were going to fly to Puerto Rico. I want to give you a reason why, but no, they, they were playing. Yeah. hide and seek. This would have been a better story. Just say you, you had to catch the red eye and you overslept and you, so to save time, you packed him the night before. That's such a better story than hide and go seek. That we're still, they're going to think I killed him. They always have said that. They've always, always, always have said that. All right, so that's an important statement. That's a spontaneous admission that she's making, a spontaneous statement that she's making to these detectives. She says, they're going to think I killed him. First of all, she's wringing her hands like like she's washing them with uh, pumice. Uh, she's like, they're going to think I killed him. And then the detective's natural question would be, why would they, why would they think that? And she, says, and she says, because they always say that. So that's that should send the, the hair on the back of your neck up a little bit. The last time I stabbed him, they said the same thing. I'm the blue-eyed white dragon. She's the blue-eyed white dragon, if you can't hear that. Because they don't want him with me. So he's basically just not really been around his family because he chooses me over them. Even after I have encouraged him numerous times to go over there and see his family. I promise we're not going to leave here for you and you not feel safe. Yeah, I had to cut a lot of it out because there was a lot of wind blowing, and this was the officer's uh, body cam. So it was a February day in, in Winter Park, so it was probably just slightly chilly, and uh, there was some wind blowing. You couldn't hear a lot of the stuff on there. So so here's the procedure. We're going to get into the interrogation now. They come into the room. Appreciate you coming in. Yes, ma'am. Can I, I want to ask you about the youth in the room. We have a moment. Sure. Um... So obviously, um, he received his autopsy. So I'm going to read you your rights again because I, we have to talk about that. And okay. The interviewee is in a four-legged chair, and that's done purposely. First of all, there's two detectives in there. One of them's got a notepad out, which is good. He's probably going to take notes and just stay quiet and, and only intervene when he needs to. Is the plan. It could be the plan. Maybe not. Uh, we have, obviously, the lead investigator, the female, who is sitting across from her, no barriers in between them, so she can get closer to her and, and back from her uh, as she needs to. She, you don't want the, the defendant or interviewee to have that table to lean on, and the whole point of her being in a four-legged um, chair, and I, I said this wrong in the Holtz Call episode. I've, I've yet to go back and retract it. Um, what you want is for your interviewee to be in a four-legged chair that doesn't move or doesn't rock because you want to see the energy that they're trying to expend and burn off, and you want to see when they're trying to expend it and burn it off. Having to burn off a lot of extra energy is your body's way of fighting the 
untruthfulness. It's a, it's a way of fighting all the adrenaline that's coursing through your veins. If you're a cooperative uh, interviewee, chances are your, your feet are firmly planted on the ground and pointing towards the person that you're talking to, uh, like chest to chest, face to face even. Um, but she is not. She is in a guarded position. She's got her legs crossed, which is an indication of kind of like closing off. And I didn't mean for my voice to crack like Peter Brady. Now, she's also got her arms uh, like folded in her lap. And that's also that's called like a fig leaf gesture, I think they call it. But it's it's essentially like she's protecting what's important to her. Yeah, she's protecting what's important to her. And it it may not be, you know, genitalia related. It it might be like her femoral arteries. You know what I mean? Uh, But it's instinctive. It's 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 what we're probably bred as humans, you know, through the caveman age, you know what I mean? And she doesn't realize she's doing it, but she's doing it. So you see her here, her shoulders are slumped. There's no confidence. So if you're in there and you've got nothing to worry about, you've really got nothing to worry about. Like I I get that when you get into an interrogation room, you automatically have something to worry about because you don't know how your words are going to be twisted. But, you know, we've got this on video and we've got all these other remedies. So uh, here we go. Let's let's listen to some of the questions and some of the answers. Since I'm talking about the incident, we just have to do it, just, just like we did yesterday. Protocol. Just like we did yesterday. Remember, I read you the rights. Your rights. Yeah. So it's the exact same thing, but since I'm asking you follow-up questions, I need to read them to you. Okay. Sure. All right. So you have the right to remain silent. Okay, so that that was another reason I put the procedure in there. It, just so you know, like, hey, we have to read your rights to you again. They read her her Miranda warnings yesterday. They got an interview from her. Obviously, she waived her attorney. She waived her right to remain silent. Now they've brought her to the, their venue. If she showed up there on her own, which I think she I think she did because she asked, um, you know, what's going to happen to my car? That's an indicator that they didn't transport her there. So she's. In, a, in essence, right now, free to leave probably, but they're there gathering information, uh, doing an interview at this point, not an interrogation, an interview to try to get the information from her. The difference between an interview and an interrogation is the harshness of the approach. So an interview is more like, I'm trying to figure out who stole the iPad. Did you steal the iPad? Whereas an interrogation is you've turned the heat up already and you're like, I know you stole the iPad. I'm just trying to figure out why. You'll see right in right in here when they transition to an interrogation. But they got all the formality out of the way by rereading her her Miranda rights and she in her, her warnings. She's good to go. She wants to talk. She wants to, and 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 there are reasons for that. People want to want to talk to you for two reasons, for three reasons. One, they're they're innocent, or two, they uh, want to find out. Uh, what you um, what you know? They're going to fish for information, and or three, they're just trying to bamboozle you because they think you're stupid, and uh, that's that's fine with. I always enjoyed playing the dumb street cop for the first fifteen or twenty minutes, and then then mystifying them with some type of algebraic knowledge. So this morning we went to his autopsy, um, and we were informed of some injuries that he has uh, by the doctor. All right, watch her facial expressions. So I want Oh, (laughs) I put this note in here. Look, I'm guilty of this uh, and it drives me insane, but 
this is a this is a homicide interview. The, 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 there's a dead person involved, and I'm not look. I'm Monday morning. I am totally Monday morning quarterback in this this second detective, uh, and I don't mean it to you know I don't mean any ill will. I couldn't have done any better than he did. I don't think, but he's got his head buried in his cell phone, and there are times when you have to have your head buried in your cell phone because maybe an attorney's calling or whatever. Uh, there might be a safety issue, but but it should be rare and it shouldn't be often. But unfortunately, in this instance, it's not rare and it's, it is often. It's a distraction for you. And I'm saying, give it the reverence this deserves. If you're, if you're conducting a death investigation interview that could send this lady to prison for 30 or 40 years or maybe the rest of her life or even her death, put your freaking cell phone away. And, and, you know, if somebody has to interrupt, God forbid, let them interrupt. Um, so he's got... <coughs> scratch marks to his back. I know what that's from. Okay. I know what that's from. <laughs> so she's saying uh, she's so he ha- in this instance, she's going to start denying before the questions even asked. Uh, so watch out for that. And you'll see what's known as a stop gesture. Had some injuries to his left shoulder. Um, he had, um, he had a cut near his like lip. We could see, we could see his, um, his mouth was a little, uh, I haven't laid a hand on him. Okay. Furrowed brow. And she throws up the two hands, which is an indicator for stop talking. Stop saying what you're saying. I have nothing to do with this. She's not asking her a question though. All she's doing is telling her what the medical examiner found. She's not saying the medical examiner thinks that you beat him up. She's not saying that the medical examiner thinks that this could be from the suitcase. She's saying He's got scratches on his back, scratch across his neck, and he's got a busted lip and a bump on his head. And she's automatically saying, stop. I, I'm, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Now, let's take that, let's contrast that or compare it to what you heard on the body cam where she said, nothing happened. All we did was did a puzzle. Nothing happened. Then we played hide and seek. Okay, so what's nothing, right? Okay. I also too. I he fell off my son's bike. Okay. So I don't know. And he's notorious for running into the wall or okay. the hall tree. Okay. So I. Okay. I what, what about the scratches? Because there's also sex. Yes. Okay. Because there's also like a like a scratch on like the back of his neck, like kind of like going, but it's like going straight across. I have no idea what that's from. Okay, uh, Tactical says she reminds me of Casey Anthony, and that's a great point. I'll tell you this, the difference here, though. Casey Anthony, if you listen to any of those interviews, and I used to teach them in the, in the course that I did, um, she has a pattern that you can pick up after the fact, not, not that the detectives probably could pick up while they were talking to her. If you listen to them now, though, you can tell that she's very smooth sailing and she's telling the truth, she's telling the truth, then she gets to a very rocky part where she's lying and she gets very choppy. So it's not going to come out on a transcript if you read it, but if you listen to it, that's why I say, put your fucking cell phone away and listen to what she's saying, because what she's going to slip up first of all, but second of all, if it's smooth sailing, then it starts to get choppy. That's the part you need to focus on the choppy part. John, you got anything so far? No, you're doing a great job. The only okay. time I've ever uh, interviewed or interrogated people literally was over stolen iPads and 
So, I mean, it, it, usually we start, oh. we, you start out innocent enough, like this thing's missing. Do you have any idea where it'd be? And I can kind of see where they went that tax. Like, so I'm just finding out your boyfriend is dead. That's weird, you know. <laughs> right. And what's all this yeast? All right. So this says uh, modifiers and confusing answers. Listen for this. So they definitely occurred, you know, the night leading up to when he was. In all honesty, all honesty, we have not gotten into it. Okay. Okay. So that's something called a modifier. There's no reason for her to say in all honesty. If if you're being honest with me, you don't have to tell me you're being honest with me. Like, just be honest with me. You don't have to say, look, in all honesty, I hope you're fucking, you know, I always used to correct people. Uh, yes, I, I hope it's all honesty. I hope everything you told me before is all honesty. And I hope that you're going to tell me everything after is all honesty. You don't need to say in all honesty because everything you should, you, you're telling me should be honest. You, you know what I like to always say? I always like to say, don't sell me. Just tell me. That's original. If anyone else uses it, they owe me royalties. That is copyrighted. Man, you might even make see checks that. payable to Jay Bates. Right, like the only thing I thought you guys were going to ask me about, which I was going to be honest with you anyway, are the scratch marks on his back. Mm-hmm. Everything else, I have no idea what it is. So she's owning up to that. She's like, "Look, the only thing I thought you were going to ask me about was the scratch marks on his back." How did she know, or or did she remember that? And why didn't she offer that before, right? Uh, so she's also prepared that there was more than just the scratch marks on his back if she knew that all she was going to own up to was the scratch marks on his back. No idea what it is. Nonetheless, I've had my son over the house, too, so... Okay, this is the confusing answer I'm talking about. So she just throws in there... And by the way, I've had my son over at the house. Listen to what the interrogator, the uh, the uh, interviewer says. Well, your son was there when? When was he last there? Oh, gosh. Last Am I week? understanding he was there like last Tuesday? Last, I don't know if it was Tuesday. But yes, he was there last week, so. Well, we're talking about Sunday. Yeah. We're, making, we're just talking about what occurred Sunday. Because like I said, the injuries are, they occurred within that time period. So you're talking about day before yesterday. Sunday leading into Monday. You called us yesterday at one, so but the incident you guys were painting and stuff the night prior. So it just it just her mannerisms and her shock and all this other stuff at you know when she said something simple like it was the day before yesterday. You know, this is all fake confusion. She's faking all of this. And and you know, just all she's trying to do is cloud the issue and confuse the investigators by saying things like, and, and I've had my son there. And this, they're like, yeah, but that was last Tuesday. If yeah. it's irrelevant, she'll bring it up. <laughs> and yep. She's like, well, we're talking about the day before yesterday. Well, wait a minute. Not the day before yesterday. We're talking about Sunday. Now, and now Drew, you know, the, go ahead. Quick question for you for why she might be bringing up all these irrelevant things. It's it's a little bit difficult because we're getting a kind of an objective perspective from the camera, but she's looking at these people straight in the eyes. And I know uh, one aspect of uh, at least motivational interviewing is uh, what we call the, uh, I guess it's the pregnant pause or the attentional pause where you ask someone a question. And then you just let it lie. And then they've got to fill up that space with something. And of course she doesn't want to say, and then so like, I totally murdered his ass. So they're like, Oh, and my son was there. So she just, she just fills it with as much like extraneous detail as possible to make it seem like she's giving information. 
but she has no information to give without incriminating herself. So every time they they kind of just give her a room to speak, she's just filling it with crap. That that's that's you're you're dead on with that. I mean, she's got she's she is filling in the gap and and you're right silence is golden especially in these situations like it is so uncomfortable for them to sit there in silence that they will start to talk more and the more they talk the more they're going to trip over what they're saying so good point strong denial or cooperation you're going to see here watch this i have no idea and i don't want to seem out of sorts but I have no idea. We had a good day. Mm-hmm. It was a good day. We've had good days lately, mm-hmm. even considering everything that's going on with our jobs and life in general and ex-wives and everything. It's been good. Like, I don't even know where this is coming from. <laughs> don't even know where what is coming from, though. They haven't really accused her of anything. A month ago, he hit you with a curtain rod. Yeah, with a curtain rod. That's why I can't believe you guys didn't take that either. <laughs> okay, so this this lays the groundwork. Wait, what? She says a month ago. I didn't take the curtain rod. Where is this coming from? She says a month ago he hit you with a curtain rod. She's like, yeah, he hit me with a curtain rod, and I'm surprised you guys didn't take that either. So she she's automatically starting to try to paint this picture that things aren't rosy in this relationship. He beats her. She's got an out, but she never uses it. You you see what I'm saying? Like she's, well, she's she can't use it without incriminating herself. She can't say, "I oh, it was self defense." She yeah. can't say, "I'm a battered woman," because both of those are affirmative defenses to an admitted murder. It's like at that point, you're saying, "Yes, I killed him," but as she doesn't want to get to that point, she doesn't want to give up those yards to where she has to go to that play. She she would rather have have them say, "Well." Everything checks out. Have a great day. But she keeps <laughs> not getting to that point. So she's just getting ready to, yeah, I killed him, but. So she can feel the ground coming out from underneath her. Drew. Uh, so here she's uh, fishing, and she's starting to paint her, her own self-portrait. Remember, she said she was painting. But, but uh, she's doing it in a different way. having his classes mm-hmm. and his, seeing his probation officer, who's amazing. So... What do you mean by good? What's your definition of good? The probation officer? Oh, no. You said you guys have been good. What's your definition I've of good? I've been good. I don't yeah. think you all understand. He comes at me all the time. He okay, so oh. this is now it's starting to rear its ugly head. She, she is giving way, and little does she know, this is where we start to develop a theme as detectives or interviewers. Like, okay, noted. She, she's she's abused now she may very well be abused and and there is documentation that said so like he went to jail for that she's talking about how he was on probation um and that was what it was for and that he's going to classes and all this other stuff she was also arrested for domestic violence apparently prior to this one and two why why are we talking about the dead guy's past habits if this were just an innocent game of hide and seek there, there would be no need to explain that. Like, even she, she's going to start to build a story in a second where she's, you know, very caring and she was trying to straighten his life out for him and all that. If she were that protective, she would be like, that was in the past. This, this is not what we, you know, she's trying to say we had a good day. She's not talking about how they've had a good life together after that. Yeah, She's talking about that day specifically because... It's the day he died. 
Um, yeah. Drew, when you, when you talk about building a theme, that's something that we do uh, in advanced negotiations too. It's trying to figure out kind of what what was driving them and what's the history with them, and you know what the acts of violence, whether it's hostage taking or murder, you know wh- how is that self expressive? How did that? How did they get to this point? And it's uh, if my job is at all like yours, it could be very difficult when you see a theme working to not to skip to the end. You have to continue to build that slow rapport. You've got to break her down. Some of that is with time. Her just getting more tired. Her not seeing you as an enemy as someone who's interviewing her. But uh, when you see kind of the road that you're going to go down and it's being fruitful at every turn, it's very hard not to go to the end and not just say, in my case, okay, why don't you just give up and come on out? Because that'll make him defensive again. And in your case saying so, yeah, so so you you killed the guy, but we understand why. You know, like that that would obviously be skipping to the end of your case, right? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it depends on what point you're you're in the interview. I mean, when you're developing a theme, you're not seeking to justify the behavior. You're just trying to get them to uh, see that you identify with maybe, you know, maybe it's a level of Susan B. Empathy. Well, I mean, but you, but you could, you know, Drew, you could use a little trickery and kind of imply that, you know, that, uh, you know, it might, it might have been justified, or oh, you're a battered woman. These yeah, things. No, happen. it's not even trickery. I mean, you, yeah. you, but because it's sometimes it's truth, and it's, uh, it, it is, it does give them like, there, there's no, there's nothing that says in interviewing that you can't give somebody an out. Yeah. Like if you give them an out like that, perfect. It, what you're looking for is an admission or a confession. Yeah. And yep. by the way, you're you're not looking for them to say I did it. You're just looking for the truth. Right. So and, and you know, so the the difference between an admission and a confession is that a confession is like the full on, you know, this is what happened and this is I did it, but an admission is just like, well, uh, I I did zip the suitcase up, but I I left the little uh air pocket form. Th- that's an admission. Like you're getting there, but you're not that's not the full on con- uh, confession. And and back to your point too also uh, two also. Um, when when I did my interviews and interrogations class, the first day we would spend, I would have everybody come up and interview with interview one another just on the human level, not about cop stuff. That was one of my big rules. Like, don't talk about cop shit. Like we all, you know, everybody's like, oh, so what kind of gun do you carry? Like we all have that in common. What you want to do is find common ground with somebody. So if you get good at, and this is for the, the, this is for any interviews. Like if you're going to do an interview in a managerial position, or if you're going to do an interview as a law enforcement officer or corrections officer or whatever, if you can find the common ground with somebody in the first five or 10 minutes of your conversation, you you would be amazed at how much you have in common with somebody. Like sometimes it's like, well, yeah, I know. I mean, I grew up in, in Puerto Rico and my dad played cr- professional cricket. And you know, the other guy's like, your dad played cricket in Puerto Rico. My dad played in Venezuela. It, it was like in the late eighties though. Yeah. My dad was in the late eighties too. You know, like in, in next thing, you know, they're having a conversation and they've forgotten all about yeah. us and it's so, re- it's rapport building you, you, it's uh, rapport building and yeah. it's also it's also about this is where you find out what's important to them so when she brings up her son's name lucas and that he's nine years old don't think that i haven't stuffed that in my skull so when it comes around and she's like on the on the t- um on the edge of of about to uh, fall off the cliff and she's about to give the confession i would say don't you want to be at lucas's 10th birthday party yeah you want luke you know what i mean like it just brings it back to oh shit he remembered that's that's what we do on this show all the time we recall you know stuff and it makes it funny but 
it's the same tactic. It's the same thing that we do here. All Plus, right? I'm only here because you gaslight me. <laughs> right. You're putting words in my mouth. I mean, <laughs> so it's either I flee or try to go upstairs and go to sleep. That's usually what it is. Okay, I, I think this is an important point she just made. I want to, I, I, like, I hate stalling this more, but she says he gets drunk, he gets out of control, and I either flee or I go upstairs and read a book. Uh, those are like two opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, but ironically, she went upstairs to read a book, and that's why she got, that's why this dude got left in a suitcase. So it's odd that she crowbarred that into this conversation. That's amazing. So. What do you mean by good? What's your definition of good? I went back a little bit. Definition officer? Oh, no. You said you guys have been good. What's your definition I've been good. good. I don't think you all understand. He comes at me all the time. He comes at me. So it's either I flee or try to go upstairs and go to sleep. That's usually what it is. And I don't know if you talk to Brian about any of that, but most of the time when I flee, I go over there. So... I don't know if you talked to Brian about that. That's he she's fishing. Belligerently drunk. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if you all have looked through my phone yet and seen any of the pictures and the videos that I have fishing. Mm-hmm. And the at one point I started documenting everything. Okay. So you all will see in my pictures. Watch her cry here. So it's Then why are you still with him? Everybody asks me that. When I tell you guys this, I really love him. Mm-hmm. I've really helped him. I bailed him out of jail, what, three times. I've gone to every single hearing and every single arraignment, everything that I did for him. Gone to see all his public defenders, go to the state. I've gone to the state. I, I did everything for him because I'm trying to help him because I had, I had hope in him. And he was trying. He was really trying. Now, Drew, normally when somebody cries, aren't you catching them at their lowest when they cry? But to me, I'm not getting these vibes from her that she's at her lowest. This is just all a put on. She's she's crying, but she's also sitting straight up in a like she's not in a ball. She's she's yeah. making eye contact with. It's weird. Like, you, you know, you, you talked a minute ago about making eye contact and how important it is, but too much eye contact is way too weird. In one and two. Because it's not normal. And two, when people are thinking of stuff, they're trying to recall, the, 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 they'll look around or they'll maybe not look at you dead in the eye. When yeah. somebody starts crying, though, like you hear that shrill, that voice, th- there better be tears or there better be snot running out of her nose or I'm calling bullshit. Drew, she's like this all the time. That's I'm calling that now. This is this is standard her for anything, for anything she needs to get out of trouble, anything she just doesn't want to take accountability for. This is her. Yeah, she uh, she, she feels the walls closing in, as our friend Steve from uh, Things Police See. Think about things, and it says. Just, I think he gets overwhelmed, and then it's like, the next thing I know, he's drinking. So it's- Okay, so a minute ago, she was on the verge of tears, and then miraculously, no quiver in the voice whatsoever. Like, oh, man. I know where this is going to go, so I'm going to go upstairs and read a book, or I'm going to go for a bike ride, or I'm going to do something else. Or I don't want to drink. I don't want to drink. The occasional wine, whatever, or if it's a weekend, that's when you, you have a good time. You don't have to wake up the next day. I have to wake up the next day and do things. I have to tend to Lucas. I have to take him to school. I have all this stuff to do. So he always had something on his mind. 
So she's again crowbarring how virtuous yeah. she really is, like There's... into the conversation. It's got she's she's saying, I'm okay with a little drinky drink on the weekends, but not when I gotta get up the next day. Oh, she's which, a teetotaler. Which... It it she it just as a reminder, while I have while I have you at your silence, I'm a good mom too. Yeah. Which is why, again, I got the puzzles and the bank to try to get him off of it so we don't have a drink or he doesn't have a drink. So when you all see my phone, you can see all of the damage he has done to me and the videos of him smashing Uh-oh. my television because he's Uh-oh. belligerently drunk. Where most of the time, I just don't want to be there. And I try to help him. I try to calm him down. Eventually, he just passes out. I totally think that that was a Freudian slip that she just gave. She's like, eventually what happens is he just passes out because I think that's exactly what happened to her. She just passed out. Or, or that it was his own fault for drinking, which is why he passed out inside the suitcase or something. Um, Okay. So here's a very important, this is somewhat of an admission. Here's the deal. What we're looking for is the truth in this, uh, in any interview or interrogation. If anybody tells you that we're looking for a confession 100% of the time, that's bullshit. Because a lot of the times when you don't get a confession, it's a lot easier to prove because you just investigate around the, the alibi. And this is an alibi that she's about to give that you can easily debunk, very easily debunk. So this is, uh, just listen to what she, how she words it here. Well, yesterday it made it sound like you guys were just drinking like a glass or two. Like, yeah, you obviously had the bottle, but you, I mean, you told me on the, yeah, but you told me on recording, like, that you were not drunk. He was not drunk. You guys were having a good time. I don't get, I can't get drunk. Number one, I do not want to get drunk. I don't like being non-compassmentous. Non-compassmentous. Oh, my goodness. I don't like feeling. Tell me Google wasn't on fire last night. Out of control. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying you're you're making it sound like like he's a raging alcoholic today. And yesterday I was kind of asking you those questions and you're like a little defensive. Like, no, we're not alcoholics. He, I'm not. We are not, you know. But you guys were both sober on Sunday, to your knowledge. Because when I said you went and passed out, you were like, no, I didn't pass out. I just fell asleep. So now it's kind of like, what is it? Is it? Were you guys drinking and it got out of hand and no. it got physical? No. Or is it? So here she explains her habit. I mean, I can get like maybe two, three glasses of wine and I'll be fine. But I have to have my wits about myself because I don't know what to expect. Well, let's talk about Sunday. What was Sunday? How were you, like, how many glasses of wine did you have? How many glasses of wine did he have? The bottle was gone. I mean, I don't know if you poured any out. Yes. No, that was from previous. <laughs> you said that there was a half bottle left yeah, over. Yeah, that Mm-hmm. And then um, that you had went, that, well, I don't even know how the wine, how would you guys get the wine for Sunday? I'm guessing he went to Publix. He- this is why you- I would encourage you to get an attorney anyway, <laughs> because it's a very innocent question. Like, where'd you get the wine anyway? You'll find out later. They knew exactly where he got the wine and how much he got. So where were you guys at a- on, hmm. on drunkenness, not drunkenness on Sunday? 
I you told us you weren't drunk. No, I was not drunk. Right. I was not drunk. So with him, I don't know. I I know when it's like, oh, okay, man, where I have told him, slow down. It's starting to catch up with you. Slow down. Slow down. And I tried in every way, shape, and form. Ask everyone. I helped him. I took care of him. I miss him a lot, and I didn't even sleep last night. Oh, did I, I guess you were awake the whole time? <laughs> he was in the suitcase. Oh, wait, I wasn't the night before. too much for you, and you couldn't handle taking care of him? <laughs> guess what? Neither did he. <laughs> I never stopped. I never stopped. That's what I'm here for. I never stopped. I'm here now because I'm still trying to help him. Yeah. Slapping the knees is is like a it's like an exp you know you're expending the energy you're trying to get her attention and it's not working. Help him do we, what? We're not we're not quite in the interrogation yet. I I the only way I can explain this and it it doesn't translate well to the younger deputies, officers, and detectives in my classes. Um, remember there used to be like a red into blue on your air conditioner or blue into red on your air conditioner in your car. Like, you know, John, you had an 86 pacer. So we're probably right where red meets blue now. So we're at like a five in this scale of things. Like when you start turning up the heat to a six, seven, eight, you know, then that's probably when we're in the interrogation. We're still a little bit, um, uh, a little bit, in the water's uh, water's not boiling yet drew it's not boiling yet it's it's definitely bubbling at the bottom and you can and she's already she's already locked herself into a story which by the way probably would have been the only way out i I mean if it it, it, me personally if i were blackout drunk and i passed out i would just say i was blackout drunk and i passed out i have no fucking clue what happened in that suitcase i mean you're telling me what happened Okay, I'll take your word for it, because that could be the difference between malice and just like dumb ass conduct. That could be the difference between uh, like maybe like manslaughter would require malice. She I think she was charged with second degree murder. It could also be uh, culpable negligence. Just you're fucking around and somebody got hurt and died. I mean, um, that's. You know, I I think it, it just it depends on what goes into it but obviously we'll see here in a don't minute. i mean it's unexplainable how he got these injuries and i have no idea you were the only one with him a hundred percent right hand to god i have no idea how he got them when someone gives a number <laughs> a percentage and invokes god they're lying nobody touched anybody nobody touched anybody so here she tries to build her own character. I even went down and met his uh, probation officer, which I say I she, she's wonderful. That's one of my questions that you need to talk to you about. Hugged me and said how much she knows that I take care of him. She called me personally one time when George was at work, when he was working. 42-minute phone call. She and I just saying how grateful she is that George has me. And she knows how hard I'm working to help him just as she is and just as the class as well. What, what that is is just like if, if she occupies the investigator's time with having to interview everybody to determine what her character was and how bad he was, 
it just gives her more time to build a story. That's all that is. So now it's time to paint George's portrait. Where it's like, wow, you actually are learning this in class? And some of the stuff that they would show them, like videos, he would come home and be like, Sarah, I'm so sorry for what I've done to you. Because for a video that he watches, to make him feel that way, where it's like, oh, man, I have done her wrong. But he's changed. He changed. Literally none of those things have ever happened. And she has certain themes of her own, Drew. I think I'm sure you'd agree where her themes are she's a good mom and she's a good girlfriend and she's changing his life for the better. Would you agree yeah, with that, that? That she is totally protective of him and that that she's uh, only worried about his best interest and all that other stuff. Like, yes, that's exactly what she's trying to do. Okay, look, I, I'm we're gonna we're gonna find the one spot that I really want to show right now then we'll we'll just dedicate another episode to you know, about that. I had him arrested okay. how many times? Uh, it's we, like, wow, you actually are learning this in class? And this some is exactly of the stuff that they would show them, like videos, he would come home and be like, Sarah, I'm so sorry for what I've done to you. Because for a video that he watches, to make him feel that way, where it's like, oh, man, I have done her wrong. But he's changed. He changed. Knock, knock, John. Oh, hello. You're supposed to say something else. Knock, knock, John. Aren't I supposed to start it if it's a knock, knock joke? <laughs> Who's there, Drew? Interrupting cow. At some point, somebody gets enough, then they have to, to do something to defend themselves. I would just... Please. And I don't know if you would like to see on my phone, or I think it's I think it's actually on a laptop. I actually because, and you have to understand too. I have like prior to classes in PO kicked him out how many times? I had him arrested how many times? But you also went down and bailed him. I out know. The next day. What's I on, know. What's on your laptop? Um, what was I going to tell you? Okay, so th this is the this is the the con of having two interviewers in there. The pro is that you know one guy is going to pick up what the other one doesn't, or one girl is going to pick up what the other guy hasn't said. Uh, the con is you constantly end up interrupting each other and, and stepping. We all do that sometimes other. around here, Drew, and it's we really do that not a sometimes. And she was about to give a very important admission and she said something about her laptop and he stuck with the theme of the probation officer and the other detective was like, what's on your laptop? And she's so thrown off that she can't even remember what she was going to say, yeah. which could have been either an admission or it could have been a, a different lock to the story. There's no delicate way to go oh, back around to that critical evidence. Previously, mm -hmm. yeah. I actually looked up how to file a restraining order. Okay. The other time he talked to her, made made her talk to Cookie. That's on my cell phone too, so you can see it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. What does she have to do though with anything about what happened Sunday and into Monday? Talking about the ex-wife. So you know, she's basically saying that like he made. He, you know, she the the crazy ex-wife made him talk about, and you're gonna see it on my phone. You know, she's again, she's fishing. 
have you looked on my phone yet? Have you looked on my phone yet? Basically is what she's saying. And the detective is like gearing her right back into the, onto the track. Like wh what's that got, what does that have to do with that? Like, no, I'm just saying like previously okay. why the incidents, what happened. Tacticals got hit, has hit the nail on the head. Uh, the female detective is very annoyed with her. And in fact, they both get annoyed with her. And it's a very, it's a very tough thing to fight because you get tired of hearing somebody's bullshit. But do you want the confession? I mean, really, all you're doing is you're getting paid the exact same. The only thing you're doing is tightening your case uh, by exert, you know, showing the patience. She, she, she definitely would have driven me insane. There's no question in my mind. And is she plays a big part in it. Okay. On top of job yeah. and money and groceries and all that. Okay. Sunday, I, <coughs> when I tell you this, I have no idea. I have no idea. Is there anybody else at the house? No, nope, it's just me and him. So there's time unaccounted for so in this next eight statement. Is when you went class? to hide upstairs. So 8 o'clock is when Where I went to hide mean? upstairs? No, that's when we were, like, painting. So then it's like, okay, well, I, we can't, I don't want to paint anymore. Let's just, ugh, come on. Okay, you want to play hide and seek? What he does is, okay, tag, you're it. So it's like, okay, we know. Okay, take off. Mm -hmm. That's what we did. And then you went upstairs, and then he didn't come up, and you came down. And the suitcase was there originally because you guys were planning to do donations, and so it was the already case. there. Here's an odd response. Maybe um, a slip. Have yeah. you guys ever played the – you said you played hide-and-seek like probably three times in your relationship. Mm -hmm. When you have played, have you ever zipped him up in a suitcase prior? No. Okay. So it was just kind of like that prop was there, and it was there, yes. and it was in play because... Why do you say it like that, though? I would never do that. Just, it's just an odd response. Like, first of all, she's like, no. Then the female detective is explaining some more, and she doesn't let her finish. She's like, yes. So when you start anticipating what the question is, your mind is racing. Um, and, and then she was like, because I would never do that. Do what, though? Because she did do that. She she zipped a dude up in a suitcase. That's why we're right. here. So she did do that. Now listen to her response when they confront her with that. You would never zip him up in a suitcase? I, well, I, mean, I mean, we were playing. No, I know. That's but fine, I'm, just, but I'm saying, I'm, well, I'm talking about hide and seek, which is a game. So the suitcase originally <laughs> is in our closet, buried all the way to the back. That has nothing to do <laughs> with anything. CSI people, so our closet, our closet needs to be cleaned out really bad. My son that has nothing clothes. to do with what you were just confronted with at all. That right. makes me insane. She's like, well, so you went step him up in a suitcase? Listen, the suitcase is in the back of the closet, and we need to clean it out. It's like she, she, she is changing gears, trying to change the subject so hard. It's not even that. It's, it's she's just she really likes to cloud the issue, and she likes to offer things for you to verify what she's saying so she's saying your csi people in the closet they can verify how you know see i'm a truthful person I, well, I, they'll, I, they'll the, verify the that it's messy yeah but yes. that's not substantive to your criminal issue exactly but she's she thinks that she's making progress by doing this so yeah uh, i i just i want to get to this one point and then we are going to continue this on another episode the suitcase trilogy really bad because they don't fit him anymore and i'm tired of looking at him <laughs> so he took it upon himself including that suitcase, to take it downstairs so we can get all of our clothes, our donations, and everything, and just leave the whole thing by the 
clothing and shoe thing at my son's school. No, we're just. I'm just asking. Out of the in the past, like, have have you ever zipped him up in anything, jokingly or not? But obviously, no. I understand. You know, you're claiming that Sunday it was a joking matter. You were laughing. Yes. He was laughing. But what I'm just asking is in the past, like, is it something Absolutely that you guys not. normally do? Absolutely not. Okay. Um. When someone tells you that, by the way, uh, twice, absolutely not, absolutely not. Uh, that that's. Uh, let me give you a, a popular phrase that where that choppiness came in. I did not have sex with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Have sexual relations with that yes. woman, Miss. We were actually this last game running out of places to hide because we have a townhome where it's upstairs or downstairs. So. Um, uh, so now we're going to the next phase. We're getting in the seven. Okay, and eight so now. we're in the red. Do you remember making any videos or maybe having any cover, anything, any photos, videos that you remember doing on your phone on Sunday? Well, <coughs> no. Nope. Um, I think I took a picture of a dog. Okay. Nothing. So your phone is password protected. You have the password. Mm -hmm. He has the facial recognition. Nothing to do with it, the whole dog. Thing. Yes or no questions required. Okay, so a he yes doesn't or know no. the password and he doesn't have the facial recognition. No, but he is the only other person that would use your phone, I'm yes. assuming. Other well, people. Lucas. Right. But Lucas wasn't there Sunday. I, right. Um, so, to your recollection, no videos on Sunday. Not that I'm aware of. So, to your recollection, was he there Sunday? Not that I'm aware of. John, uh, listen to okay, that. Okay, so he doesn't know the password, and he doesn't have the facial recognition. No. But he is the only other person that would use your phone, I'm yes. assuming. Other well, people. Lucas. Right. But Lucas wasn't there Sunday. Right. right. Um, so, to your recollection, no videos on Sunday. Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. John, what's the Boy Scouts motto? I think it's always be prepared. You're so good. So I have something that I want to show you that we found. We're definitely in the interrogation phase now. Um, and get, get ready for this. it was from your phone. Mm -hmm. Can you see it? It's from your phone. If you need to move it around, go ahead. <laughs> No, I don't remember that. For everything you've done to me. Hello. For everything you've done to me. Your battery's about to die. Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh. Come on. Drew, be prepared. Thank you, Boy Scout Oh, my motto. gosh. Always they, be prepared. They, be prepared. They, they were getting ready to hammer, and they, they swung oh. back, and the battery died. This would have been perfect. I mean, and by the way, if you don't know what they're playing, we can't really see it on the camera, but you hear him in the suitcase muffled. Sarah, this isn't funny. Sarah, I can't so, breathe. Let Drew, me out. Let me, let me ask she's you She's like, this. hold on, John. And she's like, this is for all the shit you did to me. Go ahead, John. 
so could you take advantage of this and say like, oh, say, uh, sorry, the laptop died. Before we watch that, like, do you have anything you want to say about that before we get a before we get my charger in here? No, I, I wouldn't suggest it. I would I would suggest doing exactly what they did and playing it all the way through because it, it's it's definitely an impactful video and you want to get her reaction. Um, you definitely want to get her reaction to the video. Now, I, I think that there is only one. To me, there's only one acceptable out of this. Uh, yeah, guys, I, I don't remember making this video. The interview's over. I, I was blind drunk. Yeah. The interview's over. That yep. That's the only acceptable thing. Or I was so drunk, I don't even remember making this video. I, I see what happened now. And I don't want to, you know, this is bad. Or uh, get me, get me my lawyer. I'm not saying anything else. Right. I'm evoking my my Fifth Amendment right to remain silent. All right. So so watch what happens here. Watch the Keystoneian chaos that happens. I, I'm not taking shots at these detectives. Things like this happen all the time. This, this is why I say be prepared. Like you, you've got, you definitely have to prepare for um, uh, Murphy's Law uh, the, 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 because this is the absolute worst time for this to happen. So what do we do here? Doesn't last very long. It used to last a lot longer than that. I don't know what happened. Okay. I don't know what happened. Let me just All right. So now she's got to get up. She's got to go find a charger. Uh, so here's the biggest theme to develop. He's going to have a little conversation with her. I don't understand who I am. Where? Well, tell me. Well, tell me. I've always been a straight A student. I am an outstanding mother to my son. I excel at everything. I excel at everything. My God! I would not do that. You wouldn't lock some, somebody in a suitcase. I was never late to school. I was always on time. Okay, but that's so that comes back later, in my opinion, though, in this interview. That 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 definitely comes back later. Like, look, you're a straight A student. You're always in control. You know what you're doing. And and this is a this is a full soliloquy that you give her, where when she starts talking, you say, "Stop talking, Sarah." And you just keep going and going and going, and you lay out this entire case, and she's got nowhere to go. She's either going to say no and no, stop. We're already past that, Sarah. Um, but that's not what happens. So let's just watch a little more, and then we'll wrap it up. Well, I didn't like completely lock it. I mean, I opened it with one finger. I left enough in there for. Okay, watch what the detective is doing. So she is talking about the zipper on the suitcase that killed. Her boyfriend. One detective is fucking with a power cord. The second detective is, I don't know, intimidated by the same power cord, uh, just distracted. And she's she's giving you great information. To get out. Okay. And he's like, okay. And I wasn't like, planning on talking. going upstairs and going to sleep. Uh, again, I'm not taking pot shots at this guy. I, I will bet you $1,000 right now, John, if I walked into that room and told everybody time out and I looked at him and said, what was the last thing she just said? He would be like, uh, something about fucking pencils? <laughs> like, he he wouldn't know. He would have no clue. Because he's distracted. No, it's just the way you said it. You guys you are like, scaring me. Sorry. But and it gave her time to build this this other story. Hey, Drew, isn't it always kind of a bad idea to say the word "why" or like? Wouldn't it be better just to say like, you know, what is it make that's making you feel that way, or what's happening? That, you know, that you that you're feeling scared. Why is always kind of a, a little bit accusatory. It's a little bit aggressive, in my opinion. 
no matter how you're interviewing someone, why is usually a bad question, isn't it? We're we're in why territory, though. We're not interviewing anymore. We're in interrogation. So I, I okay. think crisp, uh, sharp answers are, are this requires a why. Why am I scaring you? Like, wh- what am I doing that's scaring you? Tell me. Uh, because now she sees we're not fucking around anymore. We're, mm-hmm. we're not doing the dance anymore. Okay. In a negotiation that you're used to, you should probably never ask why. You should probably, you know, because you're trying to gently massage the conversation or whatever. This is a, this is a full on. Yep, I, I've flipped. I, I'm uh, Doctor Hyde, Doctor Jekyll now, Mister Hyde. One of Hyde's them. the bad one. Yeah, He's yeah. Mr. Okay. Hyde now. So I'm Mister Hyde now. Let's just uh, end it here at twenty one twenty three. How about that? And then you can. Uh, do we have voicemails? Yes. First calls for me saying how disappointed I am that I have to wait another week to find out the disposition <laughs> of this case. I don't know if you're going to accept the charges on that phone call. No, I'll, I'll reverse the charges on that you're one. Reversing the charges. Okay, we have two voicemails this week. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and, and play them, Drew, if you want to hear them. Yeah, go for it. All right. Hey, Wolfpack, Com Centers. This is Micah. I'm not doing a perimeter checks. It's too damn early. I just got off a 12-hour shift, went home literally for like five hours, and I'm back to do a 12-hour shift on days, and this, this morning bullshit, I don't, I don't even know what the fuck to do with myself. Uh, it's good to expand your horizons, work some different coverage and stuff once in a while, see how the other half lives, but just a little confused, so appreciate the messages and stuff from the Wolfpack this morning. I uh, got some messages from Bosco, John D., a uh, little correspondence with John. Uh, I even got uh, a message from Drew Breezy the other day. So appreciate that stuff. It, it's getting me through this odd day. Um, I may be asleep when Com Center is actually airing. We'll see see how successful I am in that endeavor. Um, I might pop in the chats to shit talk a little bit. But I just wanted had me thinking today that uh, friendship is like being your parents. Everyone can see it, but only you feel the warmth that it brings. So, <laughs> catch you guys at Com Center. Well, all I can say is that I feel the same way every morning. I wake up. Thursdays are actually the only day during the week. I wake up in the morning. I go to work all day, and then I come here and do this. And I work till 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 midnight the night before. So I drive like two hours. So every every Thursday morning, I wake up. I'm like, oh my god, is this actually happening? Like. I always wake up every Thursday, you know, wishing I had, which is pretty depressing, I guess. <laughs> but then when I get off work, I'm excited to do the show. So, Mike, uh, you're in the chats now. Finally, I'm, I know how you feel working in the morning. It's it seems wrong. I hate being there when admins there. Night shift is where legends are made, guys. I think everybody who works in uh, public service, first responder, knows that. Uh, you, needs the room. you you don't want to go to the comm center and see Drew Breezy walking around. That's a day killer right there. <laughs> one more voicemail, Drew. Go for it. All right. Here we go. Here's the second one. Long time caller, first time listener. See, John, Drew understands me. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> Kill anybody lately, Mr. Bundy? <laughs> Do you know the identity of this man? Anyway, John, what we're going to do is uh, pre-record probably because we're going to be on the road on Thursday. I don't know if we're going to do that or not, or if we're going to do our show live. Well, we can't do our show live. We'll be at the weigh-in, I think, right? 
I'm uh, gonna be here live next Thursday because I didn't get invited to no weigh in. So I'm yeah, gonna I didn't it. get invited to this, the passive aggressive anthem. <laughs> uh, so I I uh, think what we'll do is uh, maybe pre-record this. Do you think, John? And, and that way it can air on Thursday at the regular time. Uh yeah, I, I you know we can pre-record tomorrow or this weekend or something. We should probably schedule it not in front of everyone. So. Yeah, stay tuned, everyone, for the rest of this. We're going to pre-record. We'll, we'll we'll probably end up pre-recording it. If not, we're going to give you some good content, and we're going to continue this conversation either way. I apologize for uh, what happened in the middle, but we would not have been able to to fully finish this anyway. I, I underestimated the amount of explanation. It, it was it's a forty-five minute video, so I underestimated it. It's uh, my fault, and I'm just all I'm trying to do is. Uh, my impersonation of what John should be saying. So I, I think uh, after the voicemails, we've done all that we can do. You know, failure to stop is a family of shows. Monday is uh, Eric and um, Jay Durrell. They're two comedians. Uh, they're two cops turned comedian, and uh, they are doing a huge show in uh, in November. Hopefully, you've uh, reserved uh, Veterans Day weekend to come up to the North Carolina Raleigh Durham. Drew's going to be there too. He's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Albemarle, Carolina. I will be uh, emceeing for um, Vinny Montez, the comedian, on uh, Friday night. Then Saturday night is a big show. Or is it Saturday night and Sunday night? Yeah, Saturday night and Sunday night. At any rate, Tuesday we have True Crime with our very own John and his partner, Kendra Drama, his his ex-wife. And they have a wonderful show. Uh, and it's it's funny. It's very entertaining. Chats are alive always. Wednesday's is last call with our producer, Dead Lake Media, with Eric Tanzi. It's all the current events, so you stay away from the legacy media that is feeding you poison. Thursday nights is our very own comm center. It's John and I teaming up. Former 911 uh, uh, slash uh, retired police officer with a current 911 slash former officer. Uh, we get around that through semantics. And then Friday is the big show. Tomorrow's an even bigger show. We have Dennis Benino, the CEO and founder of Street Cop Training. Uh, I cannot wait for this conversation. I want to be able to have the same conversation I had on his podcast that exposes how real of a dude this guy really is. He's a good, good soul. Uh, and he's a great cop. So uh, at any rate, um, and then of course uh, Sunday is uh, night shift TSI, top secret information. Go check that out. It's conservative and and Eric Tanzi delving into all the greatest conspiracies. Get under our YouTube, participate in our polls. We're looking for feedback. We want information. We want to serve you the best the best way we know how. And um, don't forget next weekend. We're going to be in Jacksonville, Florida at the University of North Florida for the Valor Bare Knuckles um, boxing tournament uh, hosted by Ken Shamrock, or it's his organization anyway. We're going to be doing a weigh-in at the FOP up there. Uh, we're going to be heavily participating in this whole thing. Island Girl Cigar Bar in Ponte Vedra is kind of our uh, home away from home while we're up there. Uh, come see us if you're in the area, if you're in the South Georgia, North Florida area, or if you're from Colorado and you feel like driving a new truck, come on over and see us. Have a good time. We, uh, but please do not tell John that he is invited. Um, I don't think I have anything else, John. What about you? Uh, no, uh, we'll 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 finish the suitcase trilogy next week. I'll be in the chats. It'll just be a live, like a live experience, even if we're not live. Uh, guns up.
Giddy up. Good night, America. Cobb Center. Hundred seasons. Hundred shows. Most of them suitcase shows. Hundred episodes. <laughs>